This podcast is Challenging Opinions and is presented by William Campbell. Thank you for downloading the Challenging Opinions podcast for May 3rd, 2017. Every Monday, I'm bringing you brand new content, but for the next while, on Wednesdays and Fridays, I'm including previous interviews in this feed, like this one with the blogger known as Spocko of Spocko's Brain about your rights to digital privacy. Challenging Opinions is the podcast where ideas are tested. Whether you are left or right, conservative or progressive, devout or skeptic, what matters is the strength of your argument, not the strength of your voice. Spocko is a progressive activist, a science fiction fan, and he's the author of Spocko'sBrain.com. He's on the line with me now. Um, Spocko, you wrote a piece a little while ago about the Ashley Madison hack. When that happened, the whole internet blew up with people basically saying, good for them, let them get exposed. Do you agree? Um, no. <laughs> Why not? Uh, uh, the reason is, is we go back to the actual, uh, the actual hack. It had happened, uh, a little bit after the Office of Personnel Management had broken into. Now, are you familiar with that particular one? Tell us about it. Okay. Uh, That was the government's database of the people who are federal employees. And they first said there was maybe 5,000 or 500,000. And then it turns out, no, it was 222 million people's information was out, including the information about people who were interviewed for top-secret clearance and their relatives. So if you were applying for a top secret clearance, they would then find out, well, who your wife was and who your family were because they would have to interview them to see if you say you were who you say you were. Well, all that information came out and those people did nothing wrong or maybe they did. Who knows? It was a huge, huge breach. And for people to make judgments on those people, it would be, you know, unfair as opposed to the judgments on the people who were on, on a cheating site. It, it came to the point where I said, just because somebody does something that people consider, you know, morally objectionable, in this case might have been cheating, didn't mean that they deserved their privacy to be violated. Just the same sure, way. Sure, but that, you're, you're yeah. comparing, you're comparing, uh, apples and oranges here. Uh, one would expect that people applying for to work in the CIA or the NSA, if those people have a legitimate expectation that the data that is collected about them will be uh, behind very, very strong firewalls and will have very strong security protecting it. People who sign up for Ashley Madison for, uh, to, to find somebody to cheat on their husband or wife with, uh, what do they, what expectation do they really have? <laughs> well, that of course would be, uh, uh, up to their, uh, own, uh, their, their own decisions to do this. Um, their expectations of privacy, it, it could be really based on how seriously they took their own, uh, information. And, uh, so what I'm saying that by that is, if you go to an organization, it could be any organization, a, you know, business, 
uh, Target, something that you uh, shop at, you would like to think that they take your data seriously, and they do. That doesn't necessarily mean that even somebody who takes your data really seriously, like supposedly the government is, that they are um, as good as uh, they could be. And it's not really because of how, you know, how well the, the infrastructure is, uh, is designed. If you looked a little bit closer at that Ashley Madison thing, it turns out it was an inside job. It looks like an inside job. Uh, no, do we know for sure that it was an inside job? We don't, and because that's the other thing that is always really okay. So hard we can say do. that it looks like it might, it might be an, an yeah. inside job. And so, well, and, that's and, one and of hang on a second, to, hang on a yeah. second. That that doesn't seem plausible to me. Ashley Madison, I can be pretty sure that nobody is going to sign up for them anymore. They've trashed their own business. If that was true, it doesn't seem plausible. Well, no, I mean, like inside job as in someone who worked there before, who left. You know, like a disgruntled employee type who okay. knew the infrastructure and purposely wanted to destroy the business. So, so this, this person was, was essentially the Edward Snowden of, uh, cheating spouses. <laughs> I don't know if I'd make that comparison, but it is the kind of comparison that you would have to say somebody inside who wanted to reveal to the world, uh, some bad actions within this organization. And that was what, uh, that was a really hard thing to, uh, defeat against. I mean, uh, hard to protect against. Well, well, when I look at this, it's, I think it's helpful to look at how it was before the internet existed. Mm-hmm. And before the internet existed, you can bet that the NSA and the CIA and any other spying agency ha- took their privacy very, very seriously. Before the internet existed, if somebody wanted to cheat on their spouse, they'd go to the local singles bar. There was always going to be a chance that their next-door neighbor was going to see them there. Why should those people have a greater expectation of privacy online than they do offline? We can't say that now because the internet exists, they have an enhanced right of privacy, do we? The privacy that they're seeking, if they're you know using a service uh, like this, um, it should be uh, the privacy that anybody should have if i'm thinking about an action and mm-hmm. other outside people look at this action and they say that is something that i consider morally objectionable and because of that i don't think they should have privacy and other person look at that action and say i don't like i like that i don't care i should about that action that person should have privacy no matter what it doesn't make it okay. okay. So that's that's it. And uh, Glenn Greenwald, who uh, I know, who's the person who helped reveal the Snowden things. A lot of times, people say, "I don't care if the government listens to me or what." So I don't have anything to hide. And his response then is, "Great, I would like to put some cameras in your bedroom. Could you give me the number of your bank account? I'd like your social security number." Wait, wait, wait a minute. I, uh, I'm not going to give you that. Well, I thought you said you don't have anything to hide. Well, what are you doing in the bedroom? Well, it's none of your business. Okay. That's about the privacy. So people making a moral judgment about the action is something that people do as an external thing. It was interesting because I actually looked a little bit closer at the Ashley Madison thing. And this is always one of those things that you find out. You don't know what the real story was. And I don't know if this was a real story or if it was planted by the Ashley Madison people, but it was a story about a woman who she knew that her husband 
was she wanted him to she had a, a disease where she was unable to you know have you know sex and what and so she helped set the whole she, thing she'd up. She had given her her husband exactly. per, uh, permission. And yeah. then what was going to happen? It was not only going to destroy you know, uh, other people's lives, but it was going to, in her small community, everybody was going to, oh, this is terrible. And she wasn't able to say, look, I set this up. I did this on purpose. I knew it was going to happen and I wanted it to be this way. So. Okay. Well, let's, let's move that out from, to, to a broader uh, idea. What is the principle then? Does everybody on the internet have a right once they put something behind a password to expect that that is private? Uh, I, I would say they they should be able to expect it, but based on how insecure systems are, they cannot. Yeah, so so it's imperfect at the moment. Very. But the the situation that we should be thr- striving towards, our goal should be that everybody should have complete privacy available to them. Yeah, and and that's the other thing is it's not. I mean, I can set certain things up for my privacy. But whenever I share information, either consciously or unconsciously, um, it's, it's, it's dangerous. What we give to the government is one thing. What we give to corporations, uh, is something that a lot of times people don't even realize how it's used. I don't know if you've ever gotten these things, but they'll send you a little thing that says, we've changed our privacy rules, opt in or opt out, who we share this with. And mm-hmm. they will say, uh, we'll share it with just our partners. Well, I don't know who their partners are. So, um, that's the other thing is, is how do you, uh, have control of it? You don't. So you try as best you can. And then, which is, this is part of the reason why I go by Spaco, not because I'm doing anything wrong, but because I know that my private information could be used against me. Well, let me, let me challenge you. Let me challenge you and promote the side of transparency. Do you really think that that principle is a good principle? And I'm thinking of, and we mentioned it before we started recording, uh, the hacking team. The hacking team is a large company. They've got hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue. And what they do is they sell hacking tools, uh, spying tools, surveillance tools to different governments and organizations. They sell uh, hacks uh, and vulnerabilities on smartphones, on computers, to allow them to hear what you're saying, read your messages, read your emails. And I can look online and I can see their client list. And their client list is really a who's who of the most repressive regimes. Their biggest customers are Morocco, a a military dictatorship, uh, Saudi Arabia, one of the most repressive regimes in the world, uh, United Arab Emirates, Kazakhstan, Mm -hmm. Uzbekistan, Mm -hmm. Sudan, all countries that have absolutely no respect for human rights or for democracy. Do you really think that the hacking team are entitled to the amount of privacy that you wanted? Is the hacking team entitled to it? The question is, are they entitled to keep their, their client list private? Uh, they had 400 gigabytes of their internal, basically their entire internal servers were downloaded and put on BitTorrent. Were they breaking the law? Were they breaking uh, international law? Were they breaking local laws? Were they breaking the law. That's it's not clear that they were, but it's certain that the people who hacked them were the people who hacked the hacking team. Correct. Okay. So 
then it comes a question of twofold. One is the tools that they were selling and using to the activities that they were done, you know, where they come into, is this legal or not legal? And then you come into the whole thing about almost like a whistleblower type situation was the person who revealed them perhaps breaking the law as well. And when you get into these types of things, you go, you go, there's two aspects of it. One is looking at what the legal part of it is. And then of course is the, you know, the moral part where you figure about are, is the person acting like a journalist? Are they acting like a, um, whistleblower? And for what? For sure, for yeah. sure they were not yeah. because they do, they dubbed 400 gigabytes, the mm-hmm. entire, uh, internal server. Right. Uh, from the hacking team and it was put on BitTorrent. Right. And so that, that's a different type of thing. That is a, uh, an activist and or uh, could call another thing as a, a retaliation cyber attack. Uh, mm-hmm. so then, then we're getting into, uh, into international law. We're in, getting into competition. And in some cases, it might be going all the way into the point where it is a, uh, nation state actions, you know? Sure. But exclude the details and look at the, the moral principle. Is the hacking team entitled to that privacy that you want? I say entitled to privacy. What am I entitled to privacy on for what? You know, it's like when it, when am I entitled to privacy? Now, for example, I, I have worked with and talked to the, the issues for uh, whistleblowers and how to help them if they needed to protect their privacy, even though they, in some cases, were following the law. In other cases, they were breaking the law. And you get into this uh, this issue, and you're like you're trying to do a, a single moral law for them about privacy, which is... It, well, I'm trying yeah. to establish a principle and to, mm-hmm. and to say, is transparency trumped by a right to privacy? That's a really good question. These are topics that I want to uh, look at and say, I have a strong understanding of certain things. And I think that privacy is very important for reasons, but there's also a difference between anonymity and privacy and what is some of the things that, you know, we do for, for pseudonyms and the need for transparency, which the question sometimes is transparency for what purposes Snowden had to make that decision. He had to decide that he wasn't going to have Glenn asked him to protect him. I actually did when I talked to the New York Times and I talked to uh, some other big publications. I did ask them to hold my information uh, in confidence. And I did tell them who I really was and what my real background was and who I work with. And th- and I did that partly so they could see that I was not some disgruntled employee at the station. Sparko, thank you for debating and defending your position. Um, Sparko is a, a progressive activist, a science fiction fan, and the author of the blog Sparko'sBrain.com. Thank you very much. Never miss a show. You can subscribe to the podcast for free using iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, or any other podcast software or app. See ChallengingOpinions.com backslash subscribe for details. That's all for the Challenging Opinions podcast published on May 3rd, 2017. I have links in the show notes to Spocko's blog and to his Twitter.
And I've included a new feature on the website. I know lots of people listen on iTunes or use other software, but some people don't use those. They just listen on the webpage. So I've put in a little widget. You can enter your email address, and when a new podcast goes up, you automatically get a simple email with a link to the page to listen. No spam, and you can switch it off anytime, so try that out. Do you know someone who I should interview? What topics should I be covering? I'd be really interested to hear your feedback. If you like the podcast, there's one thing that you can do which would really help other people to find it. Go on iTunes and give the podcast a rating or write a short review. There's a link on the website directly to the iTunes page. Also, please like the show on Facebook. On Twitter, you can follow the show at ChallengingO. You can also follow Spocko at Spocko's Brain. And most importantly, subscribe to the show. You can do it for free. You can use iTunes if you have Apple products or Google Play Music if you're on Android and there's an RSS feed. And like I say, you can sign up for a free email alert to just listen on the website if you prefer that. You can find them all or get in touch with me at www.challengingopinions.com. Coming on Friday, that's May 5th, I'll have an interview with Doug Payton of the Person of Interest podcast. The Challenging Opinions podcast is produced and presented by me, William Campbell. Thank you for listening.